This is a HeadGum Podcast. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Inside Voices. I'm Kevin T. Porter. My guest today is John Gabris. Okay, little background. John Gabris is an actor, improviser, comedian. These are three descriptors for Gabris that have changed in size at different points at different parts of his career. But Gabris came up through the UCB Theater... And you can see him on TV shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Younger. He was on Younger. Did you know that? But per usual, you probably heard him as a recurring guest on Comedy Bang Bang or his own shows like High and Mighty, Action Boys, or Raised by TV with Lauren Lapkus. Gabrus is a stalwart big brother in comedy podcasting. He's a little wild around the edges, but with a kind, squishy, sweet center. And he's been doing this since 2015, which is long enough to know exactly how to describe his voice. Educated dock worker. (laughs) An educated dock worker voice. Yeah, no, I see that. I hear that for sure. If I had to use, uh, if I had to come up with a phrase to describe my voice, it would be educated dock worker. Because I have, I'm loud, I curse a lot, I have a New York accent, but... I've read a lot of books and seen a lot of movies, which I deem to be education. <laughs> well, usually, yeah, people go to a much more like negative space when it with it when I ask them. So it is nice to have like some sort of like affirmative, like positive direction with it. That's not like and thank and thank you for thinking educated doc worker is educated positive. Doc, educated is positive. I think that's a plus for sure. Fair enough. Usually yeah. people say I have a shitty voice or I have a shrill voice or something like that. I, yeah. one, one I did I did write down in case you did go negative is uh, I think John Gabers has a friendly voice. He also sounds like the wokest uh, brother in the fraternity. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, Jamie Lee from uh, uh, Jamie Lee, the comedian, uh, referred to me as a, a woke bro in that I care about how much you bench and what your pronouns are. Where like, it's like something might slip out when you're playing with you guys over over like Xbox, but you'll say later, hey, we shouldn't have said that. We should really take some time to reflect on that. Hey, I'm pretty woke. I recognize when I said the N-word 12 times that I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> and there's something to that, right? They're like There is like a strange, like, you do exist in this strange sort of package in the sense of like how you present versus like the content of your character, right? Like I'm sure it is shocking sometimes to a lot of people and it's probably evolved over time and even in the last few years like how you talk about certain things it's pretty weird because i i don't i don't fully understand like i i I feel like i'm always misrepresented and i don't even know what i mean by that necessarily but i always feel like 
when I meet people, they always have like the wrong idea about me, not in a bad way, but they're always like, they've attached to like one small facet of my personality. And we're already on minute three of your podcast, getting into the parasocial relationship of podcasting. But it's like, People just look at like one small facet of my personality or something on a podcast and then they just if they lock into it, which I get, you know, if you hear someone voice something that you believe or you find to be interesting or funny or something like that, it attracts you in a certain way. But people get attached to like small parts of my of my podcast personality or sense of humor or um, whatever the word you're looking for. And they get attached to it. And I'm like, oh, this is not like an accurate representation of me. And here I am as a white cishet male sitting here like, hey, I'm I, I, people have the wrong idea about me. Yes, there's like I'm not suffering in a, a grander scheme from it. But every time I interact with a fan, it's always like or a listener. I shouldn't even call them fans, but uh, a listener. They're always just slightly off in what they like about me or what they take from my show. You know what I mean? I'm always like or. It's more about I'm less self-aware than I really am. And like people are doing a better job of recognizing my personality than even I am. But a lot of times people come up to me and be like, oh, and I'm like, really? I I don't know. I love smoking weed, but I, I, it's not part of my personality. I don't like, I never talk. I don't talk about it a bunch unless people ask me about it. But now more and more people ask me about it because it's like part of my quote unquote personality. I drank beer too, but I never fucking, I didn't turn into Spuds McKenzie. Well, yeah, and that that phenomenon is so funny, too, because it does feel like making friends with someone at a party or at your job, and then whatever it is you talked about the first day is the only thing you can ever talk about again, Like, or you ask them to retell the same story over and over again, which is funny, too, because there's so much counter-narrative to that in terms of just the sheer volume of stuff you've put out, too. <laughs> right. Well, that is, that is the thing. Like The first time I meet you, you're eating like a bean burrito, and you're a friend of a friend, and then for like the rest of our lives, I'm like, bean burrito, what's yeah. up? And you're like... Jesus Christ, I'm a fucking uh, pediatric neurosurgeon. Will you please stop calling me bean burrito? (laughs) Do you feel like it's always kind of been that way or has that been more of a recent thing for you? Yeah, I think that's it's always been that kind of way. I I guess I can like I can kind of exist in a lot of uh, subcultures like from being a little kid, uh, like always have like had like different groups of friends. Uh, I wouldn't say I was like a kid who like code switched or anything like that but i knew how to make my the kids on my football team laugh was different than how to make my friends that i played D with laugh which was different than to make the hot girls in my classes laugh then which was different than to make the theater kids laugh if i was around adults i did the things i knew that they would find funny and made the references and jokes that they would pay attention to so i guess that is one facet of my personality so if, and podcasting i'm not talking to anyone specifically like you know the audience is the audience the listeners but the person i'm talking to is who i'm trying to make laugh or myself you know what i mean i'm not thinking about the listeners as much so uh, so i guess maybe i can come across with like different facets of my personality in different episodes yeah right and that's funny to hear too because uh, and maybe this is a misinterpretation on my part as well but there does seem to be like a sort of strain of like unapologeticness in in the stuff that you do and talk about and so to hear like that you were literally catering to each specific demo (laughs) and audience when you were a kid of like okay rather like hey what you see is what you get here but more like okay what what are you about what are you about okay how can i present and i i think you might be right a little bit there because there is an element to like no matter whatever i was telling my dad's like 
blue collar electrician friends versus like my bio teacher. I was trying to get them both to laugh, but with stuff that I thought was funny, but I thought would be more for them. Like my ideal, I've learned that my ideal comedy audience is like 50 year old blue collar movie buffs, which is frequently like grips, sound guys, DPs, cameramen. Those are the people that always find me the funniest because they're just like (laughs) older, like kind of bros, but they get like the movie and TV references that I'm making. You know what I mean? And I kind of have like the old dude attitude about young people and shit too. So they kind of flock to me. So every job I've ever had where I've been like a writer or talent, the people who always like, oh, dude, that was great is always like- It's like old union guys. (laughs) Old union guys. Because those were my dad's friends. My dad was like a set electric guy in New York. So they were all like, those are the guys that always find me the funniest, I feel like. And I, I think that is- Sort of my attitude is just kind of like in bro has such a derogatory term to it, but I'm for sure broy. I'm only broy in the podcast and UCB and comedy world. Any bro considers me. I don't even know what the antithesis of broy is. <laughs> it's sissy because of the terminology, but we don't say that anymore. Uh, any bro would be like, "You're not a bro," and anyone who's not. That's been the dichotomy that like the perfect example of it was I was the funniest guy on my rugby team and the toughest guy on my improv team. And I wasn't considered tough by anyone or funny by that many people. But because I can live in both worlds, when I was being as funny as I was at UCB on rugby, people were like, this dude's a fucking genius. And then when I was doing like push-ups and or violent things at UCB, people are like, this dude's a fucking beast. And it's like, I was not actually either. (laughs) But you could draw that line of like extremity in both cases. That was probably kind of rewarding. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm pretty much like if I had like a, a video game stat card or something like that, I like if all your skills are one to 10, I have like a five and a half in all of them. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so like, I'm I'm confident that I could do a little bit of everything, but truly not excel in anything. <laughs> Survive, <laughs> but maybe not excel. <laughs> exactly, and then that's pretty much to dovetail that into. That's pretty much how the idea of High and Mighty came about. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy, the number one fuckboy, standing six foot one, 307 pounds, out of Long Island, New York, it's the number one fuckboy, oh, Johnny G. I wanted to talk about all my different interests. I talked to people that I thought was interesting, put attention to, and brought to the attention of the listeners different points of view and different types of people. Granted all comedians but you yeah. know what i mean there was another great show uh called don't get me started with anthony king and will hines that feels like kind of similar in its conceit and uh, also uh, a previously another headgum podcast that was sort of like this that i truly modeled myself after was the jeff rubin jeff rubin show oh, he yeah. pretty much when when jake and amir came to me and said hey you're we're starting a podcast company we think you're very funny and you don't have a podcast would you want to do it for us i'm like Here's what I want to do. I want to do like the least amount of work possible. Like I just want to talk to people. I don't want to have a premise where I have to come up with like uh, writing every week or questions or like book three different guests. I just want to make it as straightforward and I just want to talk to people. I want to learn and abuse 
people's desire to get their Instagram handle out there to talk unbroken <laughs> for an hour to interesting people, right? Yes. That's pretty much what my podcast is. It's like, hey, if you want, I'll tell people about your new book, but I want to talk. I want to choose a topic, make you come to my house and talk to me for an hour about it. And I kind of abuse that when I see someone like you, someone who I find interesting and funny already, constantly talking about something I want to talk about. And I'm like, Kevin, you've tweeted about Paddington 2 10 times. I'm dying to discuss this with you. Just like I would tap you on the shoulder at a party and be like, were you just shouting about Paddington 2? It is Hugh Grant's best role in a decade or whatever, you know? And then, so I want to just do the podcast version of that. Well, so, you know, I'm, I'm, it's almost like comforting to hear someone that has that sort of like, uh, not that you don't have like, like professional ambition, but just in the sense that like the base desire of it is sort of personal or social for you in a way. Do you feel like that's always kind of been a part of like professional life or performing from you for you, like even at UCB and doing stuff like that? I mean, clearly I've been performing at UCB now for 17 years. Uh, clearly I'm not striving for success or, <laughs> <laughs> or at least I am and no one else is picking up on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's always been a part of it because I kind, I kind of like doing it and I, I don't hate the hustle. I like being rewarded in direct correlation for how much effort I put into things. Like that always feels good. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't mind the hustle. Um, the thing that podcasting gave me early on too that I didn't realize was something to think about besides the my quote unquote straightforward comedy career of like acting, writing and performing. It was just like something like, Every week I did an episode of High and Mighty and it's not like Jake and Amir go through it and go, hey, we love we love this shit with Kevin. But if you instead of can you go back in the second like there's no redos, there's no edits, there's no take a second pass. There's no like, are you sure you want to just have two guys from your uh, rugby team on the podcast? It doesn't seem like they have a following and that'll be your worst episode. And I'll be like, I don't care. I'm not trying to get fucking I mean, I want more clicks, but I if I had to go pursue more listens that I, I wouldn't be having as much fun because it would be like a uh, gee i hope this person with a huge following that i have no attachment to whatsoever can do my podcast yeah which f feels like a special feature specific to like comedy roundtable shows like if that's the genre you would associate with with your show in that it does feel like kind of an improv show that just happens to be recorded where it's like i mean i guess there's a well i even with an improv show i guess a coach can give notes afterwards sometimes if, if that's right, right, a lot right. in life yeah and there is something about that where it's like this is just my show you know listen now there's just so much of it out there that it feels like it's diluted even though there's no other creative voice in there you know what i mean like besides my different guest every week it really is like just sort of you can track my personality across like the last five years of like oh this is what gabrus is into this month it looks like for three months he had just learned the word preternatural you know what i mean like or he must have block recorded this because he's constantly talking about his sprained ankle in five episodes you know like, well and i'm wondering too yeah especially with your show how much of it actually functions as a sort of diary for you if i could have the ability to listen to my voice without getting absolutely like disgusted or stressed out it would be really interesting to go back to some old episodes and and uh, listen to what I was thinking and what I was talking about at the time. But I, I have a hard time hearing myself or watching myself. Wait, why is that? I don't know. I think it's because I 
like becoming the center of tension. I have a hard time when I'm set up as the center of attention. Does that oh, make I sense? See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I mean, and then John's got something to say rather than like kind of I'm like, getting shut it organically. The fuck up. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I don't know what that stems from, and if that is even really why. But there's there's something about me. I'm a, a clearly I'm broken in my need for attention. Like, but I can't look at myself. I notice all the stuff that I hate, but I'm also in a good enough headspace that I go, not everyone's noticing how frequently I laugh at myself or only maybe the editor or the segment producer or whoever's watching this one part is getting annoyed by my tics. But after 255 episodes, I'm sure people, I'm sure people can respond be like, here's something you always do or here's something you always say or anytime someone says this, this is the anecdote you bring. Because I also... My brain is mush from 250 episodes. I have no idea if I've said something previous. I've guessed it on so many podcasts. I have no idea. Every time I say something, I'm like, I could easily front porch it with, and I'm pretty sure I've sent th- said this before yeah, somewhere. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you do realize after a couple years in the, this particular industry, how many thoughts you have. And there is a limit and there is a ceiling to like how many oh, original thoughts you could. Well, it's like after you've, after you've do, been doing your podcast and guesting on a bunch of podcasts, you're like, I need to take like three months off from talking and just ingest information. So I have new people. Like I have to like see new movies and read new books and like watch new shows and listen to new things so that I have like a new foundation of information to fucking spew bullshit from. I always liked, and I think part of the reason High and Mighty, uh, like, it's in my bones is because one of my favorite shows of all time when it came out was, uh, I was going to say Party of Five, but that's not it, Dinner for Five. John John Favreau's, like, chat show where he just went out to restaurants with with interesting people and they all just talked and were themselves. And to me, even though in hindsight those were probably not even that good, that's what I really a fucking i was like oh man this is what i want in life it's just like people being themselves like the original pitch for high and mighty was like i want to talk to famous people about one topic or comedy comedy interesting people about one topic that has nothing to do with their career does seth rogan like the movie predator i want to talk to seth rogan about the movie predator for one hour so it was sort of like jeff rubin's show and also don't get me started at the same time it but it was finding more like trying to find a common ground i wanted to do like did you hear on gaberson's podcast gil ozeri the funniest dude ever talks about judaism for one hour with him like like that's the kind of shit i wanted in my podcast and i got and i i, I got to and i'm still doing it you get a little lazy with booking, like being your own producer, I think, is where the job gets hard. I'm very good at talking to people. That has no bearings on how good I am at Dropbox, audio equipment, <laughs> yeah. uh, scheduling, emailing, editing, uh, what, should, what should we call it, promotion, all the shit that, that's all stuff I hate, but I have learned via podcasting how to do it, which is like... In our business, unfortunately, a skill set like the social media promotion shit. I had no idea about any of that. And I actually didn't even do it for High and Mighty for the longest time. It wasn't until I did Raised by TV where I partnered with Lauren Lapkus, who is good at social media. Put it this way. This woman posts more than almost anyone I'm friends with that isn't a, uh, isn't a professional. And she's never annoyed me with it. 
I, I have friends that post way less than her and I'm like, shut the fuck up about you. And I don't know what it is. It's like, it's not like I like her more than other people. I think she just does it better. She's got something figured out and working and working with her. She's like, she taught me Instagram stories. She taught me swipe up. She taught me so much shit. I'm imagining Instagram. a montage that's like, you know, <laughs> Carl from up and the little boy scout kid, like walking him through how to do Instagram stories <laughs> right, and right. use technology. That was what it, it was truly what it was like. She downloaded repost app onto my phone and in the quarantine, all I have is my podcast. So I've been like practicing promoting them. Like, okay, let me do a tweet and an Instagram about the 420 episode. Let me do a swipe up. Let me tag some people. Let me do this. Let me respond, you know, like, let me respond to some uh, listeners who have questions or follow ups or compliments and stuff. Just like random shit that I never did before that I'm starting to see some reward in. Uh, well, before I moved to LA. The only podcast I knew about was This American Life. Then I someone t talks about Comedy Bang Bang a little bit. I have no idea what that means. But uh, they're like, oh, yeah, a lot of old UCB heads are on it. So I like download a few episodes. This is like right before I moved to LA, uh, LA too. And I'm like, oh, John Daly and Nick Kroll. Love the, and all these people that I've always loved from being a UCB guy for, at that point, you know, eight years or whatever. I was like, oh, Comedy Bang Bang. And I kind of listened to a few episodes and I'm like, These, this is kind of funny. This is crazy. This is just like an insane improv show where people chose their games before that someone said, before the lights came up. And I was into that. But when I came to LA, again, then nothing happened. Like, I don't know anything about podcasts. I'm just doing UCB shit. And then I do like one episode <laughs> of Improv for Humans. John Gabrus. Yes. What celebrity do you get mixed up with uh I, you mean like do i fight with the most out at bars uh i uh, know i'm a that would be mix it up with oh, sorry <laughs> we're gonna really mixed up conversate with, with. who <laughs> yeah. do you conversate with uh i guess most people say i look like jack black and i was like oh that sounds so fun i do it and it's me him walsh and conroy so this is probably the first podcast episode i've ever recorded in my life and it's fun and it's really hard not to laugh because you don't have the audience to keep you sort of like in line and you're just sitting across from Matt Walsh who's goofing off and you're like, this is so fucking funny. And you're trying, and I'm like, oh, this was such a fun thing. It felt like a studio jam session that we're then like, hey, let's put it out for people to see what they think. You know, it's like the lost tapes and now thousands of episodes of, you know, all these shits. It doesn't feel the same way. At the time, it felt like that and it was so cool. Then randomly, I got an email from Scott Ackerman was like, hey, Neil Campbell gave me your name. He says you're a funny improviser. Would you want to come on Comedy Bang Bang and do a character or whatever? And this was like probably in 2012 or 2013. This first episode was with Pete Holmes and Pam Murphy, I believe. I pitched this character. Yeah, I'll do this character who's really into like drive time radio, who like is a new, who thinks he's a New York shock jock or whatever. So 2013, I do Gino Lombardo. God, fuck, that was seven years ago at this point. <laughs> I've been doing the same character on the okay, same okay, podcast. So, uh, uh, <laughs> fans of the show who have been with us for uh, more than four years at this point know that uh, I have interns on the show every once in a while. One of the most famous, I think, was Marissa Wampler, who... Uh, 
to be honest, never did any of her intern duties. And I'm expecting more out of you, if that's oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, almost, you know, I'm in my third year at Nassau Community College, radio major. Mm-hmm. Coming out here for the semester, I'm so pumped to be doing stuff for you guys here. And uh, I'm ready to go. Like, okay. you tell me what to do, I could do it. Well, the first thing would be, you know, I mean, you're not supposed to necessarily talk this much on the mic. But okay. I got, but my, I did I did address you, so it's okay. I apologize. I will keep it radio silence. <laughs> See what I did there? I'm not going to say anything else for the rest of this hour. Well, this is, I mean, it's not written. <laughs> and then having done Comedy Bang Bang, people start asking you to do podcasts. Then I start doing Comedy Bang Bang. I become, Scott likes me. I like fucking around with Scott. Gino works well with other characters because he has no real game. He's just me talking fa- like louder, faster, and ruder. Um, so it's a character that can kind of be slotted in anywhere. And so I got to do a lot of episodes. And after a while, people were like, tweeting at me and stuff like love having when Gabrus is on I, I like signed up for Twitter because I was doing podcasting and shit like and between that and guy code people were like talking oh you don't and so then when I start doing fucking uh, comedy bang bang and people are tweeting at me people start tweeting dude if you had your own podcast I would definitely listen and I was like oh shit so I pitch podcast Earwolf none of them get picked up then when Jake and Amir come to me shortly after, I'm like, I actually have a few ideas, but I want to do the easiest idea possible because I just want to, and I want it to be myself because I was having so much fun being a guest on podcasts where you kind of show up with no work and I'm like, I don't want my guests to have work. I don't want to have work. I just want it to be a conversation. It all just dovetailed into, I was like, all right, fuck yeah. I, I, I bet you I've said dovetail like five times on this podcast and any podcast I've recorded this week. That was, just, was that in one of the books that you read for the first time this week? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It could potentially be in How to Do Nothing. Um, the one book I've read since quarantine has started. <laughs> I, I know we talked about it in terms of like social pretense and just like as an excuse to get to talk to people and hang out with them in person. Do you feel like that core thing in terms of what you wanted from the show with High and Mighty in particular has changed at all in the last five years? I think maybe now, later on, there's a part of me uh, that's using High and Mighty. Previously, it was like, hey, you should come on my podcast uh, because I like I, I, I like you and you like me. It'd be fun to talk. There's an element of it now where I'm like, you're you're new or young or whatever the expression is, like uh, greenish, and I think you're hysterical, um, and I have this albeit you know medium sized following on po- on podcasts. Do you want to come on my podcast and talk about your new project? Because I'm a fan. Like so, I've been enjoying that aspect of it. Is like platforming other people, platforming other people, and then also like because I'm constantly out there guesting on other people's podcast because i really do enjoy guesting on other people's podcasts i i feel like i've said this on a bunch of other pods so i'll say it on uh this one that's about podcasts i think there's a part of me because of my background in improv my uh confidence in my opinion having a number of opinions and my fourth com- my ability to be forthcoming and honest and un- unapologetic makes me a solid podcast guest I'll come on. I'll be at least entertaining. If not, I'll have strong. I get the I get the premise of the podcast. Like if you, if it's this is the premise, whether I I won't go like yeah no I don't actually care for uh, I don't have that strong of an opinion about that album. If we're supposed to sit there and have an opinion about an album after I did improv, I was a talking head on Viacom TV shows. So I'm well versed in speaking in bits and getting uh, concise ideas out there. So I'm a good guest for podcasts, and then that's been my 
bet to meet, meet a lot of people. And then since I also am constantly trying to do more live comedy and shit, I'm always at some random show with a bunch of people who I've never met before. And I'm like, hey, you're really funny. You're, uh, like, or, or if we follow each other on Twitter and eventually I'm just like, hey, do you want to do my pot? You know what I mean? Like, it feels like a way to like go on adult dates, like adult platonic dates. Yes. That's actually a good name for a show, too, if you want to add yeah. that. <laughs> that is pretty much what High and Mighty is, because there's an element where it's just like, yes, I guess I could invite Kevin to, hey, Kev, let's go get cold brews and talk about Paddington 2. And then both of us may want to bail on that. But as someone who works, who has a podcast and a social media presence that they want to get out there, if I go, hey, do you want to drive to my house and talk to me about uh, Paddington 2? There is a reason for you to do it as much as there is a reason for yeah, me to do it. Yeah, I'm it gives excited. incentive to both people, yeah. Right. So for me, it, it's like a mutually beneficial thing. And uh, so I, I enjoy that aspect of the podcast, too, where I could be like, hey, it's the these, you know, I, I've if you look through, I have some random people that I've maybe have, haven't interacted with since they've been on my podcast because I'm just like, well, let's see what they're all about. Let's have them on. Or they're, they're starting a new podcast and, and it's for, on an interesting topic. Let's get them on High and Mighty. And it's a first date that maybe didn't go the way you wanted it to. Right. Yeah. Or at least it's a first date and you're like, hey, that was fun, but definitely how many second dates do you need to go on in podcasting? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. <laughs> It's either we're fucking or we're leaving, baby. <laughs> but five years in, you do have to imagine that like repeating guests has to be part of the lifeblood of your show at this point and like having people that you can just dependably rely on. Yeah, for sure. I have a lot of like people that I have on repeatedly have now since like launched their own podcast or have spinoff episode 25 or episode 30 of the podcast i start realizing like oh i want to have the action boys back on to talk about another action movie or i want to have betsy and mono on again to talk about taco bell i started to feel bad but then when the ultimate version of that is that action boys we just turned i was like damn i really enjoyed doing this one I don't want to turn High and Mighty into just an action movie podcast with these guys, but I wonder if there's something we could do. So we discussed it, and now my Patreon with Action Boys is pretty much my job at this point in my life. And, I mean, it's a not a great paying job, but <laughs> it's more <laughs> than any other job I have. <laughs> yeah, it's like a teacher's salary, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, in a small town. <laughs> yeah, in like Ohio. Oh, maybe not Part-time teacher's salary. Yeah, part -time part -time, yeah, substitute teacher's salary. Let's take a break from Gabrus's educated dock worker voice, and we'll be right back with more Inside Voices. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Inside Voices. And now the rest of my conversation with Gabrus. I was actually on a on a like a group FaceTime last night with a group of friends. We were all playing Fortnite. And one of them made like a kind of snarky Patreon joke. Not about mine, but just like the concept. And then, the, and then, like five minutes later, they're like, "Hey, Kevin, do you have a Patreon?" I was like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Asshole, headshot. <laughs> but it seems to be one of those things where, like, there's still a contingency of snobbery in the way that, like, maybe just podcasts, period, were sort of a punchline for people on Twitter. May like four or five years ago. I mean, they still are now to a large degree, but it feels like Patreon is kind of occupying that st- that space and like direct support stuff or maybe people hear Patreon and they think Amanda Palmer and like other sort of like frivolous like uh, art installation sort of things. Like, right, right. And, and with like the thing, and especially now in the economy, like how it is like consistently podcast listenership across the board is down advertising for the next quarter is going to be down but patreon numbers for everybody and direct artist support is steady or up yeah so it's one of these weird things where it's like how do you reconcile like because obviously you didn't dream about having a patreon when you moved out to la in 2012 and to have direct support for you and stanger and rogers talking about you know batman or or whatever the case may be (laughs) like i guess what i'm asking is like is that a tough thing to reconcile at all or does it feel like strange or bittersweet in any way it feels really weird but it also feels like one of the first times that I've ever been ahead of the curve of an industry. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I got on Patreon with the Action Boys before at least the majority of my friends, my peers were on Patreon, who now I would say I went from being the one friend of mine with a Patreon to I'm one of like 50% of my peers have Patreons, which makes total sense. We were just ahead of the curve a little bit. I think it might be the future. Because it eliminates, again, just like with High and Mighty, the biggest appeal was Jake and Amir came to me and asked me to do a podcast after I had been like, you know, Comedy Central had passed on my third script. This, you know, all these fucking like, oh, I tested for a pilot but didn't get it. Like all these close calls. And it was all because of someone else's subjective decision that something didn't happen for me. You know what I mean? Comedy Central just doesn't think it's the right time for the script or they liked Gemberling better or whatever. All completely reasonable, but it's very frustrating that my career was being just like lobbed into the hand and there was nothing I could do to be like, but with podcasting and then specifically Patreon, there's zero middle people. All the middlemen, all the middle persons have been removed. It's And so you need less support. Like to make $400 a, a week on your uh, ad supported podcast, you have to have like 40,000 listeners so that a fucking advertiser would pay that much. But to make $400 a week on, you need $2,000 a month in Patreon money. That's only 400 listeners. If you're, if they're paying five, which is a lot to get on Patreon, but not a lot in the grand scheme of things. So when you, when, when you have 40,000 people listening to a podcast and you're making $0 on, and then 150 people listening to a podcast and your cut of that is 200 bucks. You're like, wait a minute. 
I don't care that f- my voice gets out to 40K, 50K people on High and Mighty. I make more money off Action Boys than I do off High and Mighty, and High and Mighty has 10 to 15 to 10 to 20 times the listenership of Action Boys. With uh, podcasts, you split the ad sales with the people who are selling it, and that's if they can sell it. And that's granted, there's no, I don't have to do any work, so there's that. But the Patreon just eliminates all of the gatekeepers and shit, and it's just you. And it's just like, here's my thing. Do you want to pay for it or not? And it's the simplest form of uh, competition in the world, right? Granted, like some people are rolling into Patreon with a million followers on Twitter. And if you're like, if I get a thousand people to sign up, it's worth it for me. Some people are just starting on Patreon with nothing and then building. Like I've been on Patreon for two or three years now. We just crossed 3000 listeners. It's taken so long to build to that level, but that's a great number when they're paying customers. Yeah. Have you heard of that um, essay, a thousand true fans? Yes, okay. I've heard like a, a a guy I used to work with told me about it. Where a thousand true fa- a thousand fans who uh, purchase or watch or listen to everything you do is worth more than a hundred thousand half-ass fans. Yeah, and that kind of feels like the north star of like Patreon economies in that sense of like right. offering people something not necessarily broad, but deep in terms of like their engagement and their involvement in it. And then I, that's why I think niche stuff does well on Patreon. Cause it's like, Oh man, I've been dying for more sailor moon content or what I, I mean, I'm saying that like that might not even be a niche, <laughs> but like <laughs> that might be, I'm sure it, Maybe it's a niche for 38-year-old men, but uh, 38-year-old American men. There's people who are seeking out the thing that they're fans of. If you happen to f- strike that, like, good Christian fun, it's like if you're into, like, the sort of attitude of your podcast, that's kind of niche. So if you're into it, you might pay $5 a month to get more of it. Yeah. But if it's just like, oh, it's our improv show where we all just get together and chat it up and be, be funny, it's like, I don't know, that's going to be harder to fly on Patreon. Patreon is the best version uh, of the hustle. It all started like say 04, handing out flyers in Union Square to try to get people to go to see my sketch show. Like dressing up and like in Times Square and trying to come see my sketch show at UCB. And any person that showed up, you were like, yes, we sold out a show. Did I see any financial or any other rewards from that? No. And I busted my ass to get more people there. Granted, it made for a better live show, which let us run longer, whatever. But like with Patreon, if you get one listener... It's possibly $5 a month for the rest of your life if you gain one fan. If, so if, if I promote the Patreon and two people join the Patreon, that's $10 a month, possibly forever. Um, but it's also one of those things where it's like, you don't feel that if you tweet about, check out my new funnier Die video. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, cool. It got a thousand more views than it normally would. That doesn't affect like funnier Die doesn't call you up and go, guess what? You're not in the crypt. Here's a, you know, here's a check or whatever. Patreon is the one where you can feel the fruits of your labor, at least in this sort of like gig economy, uh, creator based world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and there's something to that too, that is kind of emotional in a way. Because it is like putting a a number to a value. And it's like you're setting that number yourself. Like you're the one in charge of like tiers and how much everyone can like pay for something. But there's there's something really satisfying. And from the other end of the exchange too, because I I subscribe to a number of Patreons. But there's something really satisfying too about just like, here's what I think this is worth. 
And I'm not forcing you to also think it's worth this. But then when people say, yes, I think it's worth it. Yes, I think it's worth it. And then like show up to that. I feel like that's like, I I wonder if that's like creatively satisfying for you and the guys with Action Boys. It 100% is because again, it's like, Voting with your dollars, I, I I know that's not this is not the expression, uh, this is not the place to use that expression. But <laughs> if three thousand people are willing to spend five to eight dollars to listen to us, then we're doing something right for those people. For at least twenty two thousand of them, sixty percent of the people have to be actually really into it and not because like it's it's financially unviable for something that just like accidentally keep passively listening to or something like that. So there is that vic that feeling of just like. 3,000 loyal fans on Patreon is better off than like one casting director who likes, you know, like, <laughs> like it's, it's like if we got that number to 6,000 people, I don't think I have to worry about anything else. You know what I mean? Like financially, I think I wouldn't be making like, you know, put my kids through college money, but I'll be making never stressed about like making bills money, which is crazy. I'm, we're half, I'm halfway to ha- making like very good money doing one podcast a week and it just feels good because every little victory is like like a video game like you get the experience and you see your character give out you get the money and it's in your inventory it's not like hey they really love you at mtv it's like sick what's that worth it's like well hopefully next time you go in there something might happen for you and it's like whoa what and it's like wow they really love you on patreon what does that mean it means 40 people signed up and now you have 200 dollars a month in perpetuity coming your way yeah i mean no that's actually a good analog to to like because there is such a like a game system with patreon stuff where it's almost like every month especially at the first of the month when people drop off and like yeah, people like gotta, unsubscribe that. and yes. get charged <laughs> it's like you're kind of getting a report card in a way every week right in terms of like this amount of people have continued to like this thing this amount of people are not into it or not feeling it anymore or are like press for cash right now do you feel like that inspires you to like try to optimize stuff or are you just kind of like this is what it is and this is what it's going to be i i will say the main difference is with high and mighty if i think an episode is a, a, a possibly a stinker though i don't think many have been i just know some are not as good as others i'll i'll still put it out action boys because people are paying per episode like we do have a little bit higher of a bar for quality for ourselves where it's like we can't fuck around. We can't skip an episode. We can't re-air an old episode. It feels weird to give away episodes for free to promote our pod because we just have this attitude that people are paying for it and they're enjoying it and that's like who wins or whatever. You know, that's who that's that's who we should be caring about. Do you feel like if you weren't the one hosting your show, you would be in the audience for it? Of Action Boys? Or like any of the stuff you do. I'm always curious like what people's relationships are with their audience and if it's something where it's like, you know, I feel like I'm good at this and maybe it's not the thing I'm most interested in if I was a consumer, but this is what I like. You know, because sometimes that happens. And sometimes it's like people's philosophy is, I'm making the show that I would want to listen to if I wasn't making it, so I'm going to do that. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. High and Mighty, granted, is not like anything interesting. You know what I mean? It's not like, uh, not. I mean, uh, ideally, it's in- hopefully it's interesting, but it's not anything special. Novel. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not anything novel. Like, I would probably not listen to it because it's just it. But I did listen to you know hundreds of episodes of WTF and Don't Get Me Started and other people. So maybe I maybe I would foreseeably listen to something. Action Boys is of course something I would have listened to. I love at length movie discussions. I already was listening to 
blank check and how did this get made before we started our own? You know what I mean? Like, I think I would have a hard time hosting a podcast that I wouldn't want to listen to. I think people would be, or that like, I was just like, I think a lot of people would like a podcast about blank. Let me try to do a podcast about blank. I think I would have a hard time with that unless someone else was completely producing it and paying for it. And they're like, Spotify will give you, you know, a a thousand dollars an episode to come in and talk about fucking cars or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that doesn't sound like Spotify to me. Uh, (laughs) some of the numbers I've heard from them, unfortunately. No, 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 no. Yeah. I agree with you there. (laughs) Everyone has a different thing with this stuff because there's so few people I've talked to that are primarily, consider themselves broadcasters and, and podcasters and you still primarily consider yourself an actor and a, and a comedian an improv comedian but a comedian yeah well i think that's the problem with podcasts is a lot of people are in it as their side thing i mean according to my accountant according to the government according to like if you ask me what i'm up to at any given moment i'm more of a podcaster than anything else like <laughs> i do more podcasting than anything else i do currently uh and for, for the last couple of years so me not calling myself a podcaster is pretty much just like a holdover from the like you were saying the mocking of podcasts uh, like in in society as a whole it's just a holdover from that oh over my fear of just calling myself a podcaster, but podcasters are working currently. Comedians, improv comedians and actors are not. <laughs> like yeah, I know. <laughs> so I know. maybe I am a podcaster. <laughs> like I don't know. It is such a fucking bummer. And it's all just my own fucking ego. And I, I know there's probably people listening to this who are like, bro, I would kill to have your listenership and I would definitely want to call myself a podcaster. But I guess there's just along the way, you're always going to be like looking above and beyond where you are, you know? Yeah. Well, even for me, like even, even from the beginning, like it's always been hard not to play games of comparison, especially when I started my show, which is like not too much before you started yours. Maybe it was like a year or two before it was, it it felt like, okay, here's the path. It's like, this is going to be a bullet point on the thing rather than right. like an entire universe unto itself. It's like, it's da 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 ba da da ba da da podcast, da 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 And right, like right. for it to not be a bullet point, to, but to be more of a consuming thing, I feel like it took a lot of work to kind of like reconcile and accept that, which sounds so privileged and kind of uppity for me to say, but it did oh, kind of I mean, take some is. work. Yeah, it is. You're talking, you're a, hosting a podcast, talking to podcasters about podcasts. So there is going to be a little layer of inside baseball, a little bit of a layer of like, this sounds like such privilege, but you're a hundred percent right. And that's like, I felt the same way. And then this is a terrible heteronormative uh, analogy, but it's like you're hooking up and having a great time with a woman who is perfect for you. She's nice. You're, you're good to her. You guys connect. You're interested but the whole time you're out going out on first dates with like absolute smoke shows that if you actually that you are undeserving of or you don't even really want but you think that's what you want career wise or relationship wise but you keep leaving like like high and mighty sitting at home going where is he and i'm out like <laughs> aud- i'm i'm out at fucking Allison Jones tap dancing to try to get a fucking part in the new whatever and she's like what the fuck is this and i come home and high and mighty's like oh you're back where were you and i'm like nowhere i missed you let's do an episode you know like it feels a little bit like that and 
only because of my attitude toward my internalized attitude towards yeah. Bobcat. That's such a wild analogy that I've never heard before, but feels so <laughs> insanely apt in terms of like, in terms of gratitude though. And in terms of right, like right. relationship, like, you don't realize how good you have it here. You're constantly like looking at the other guy's lawn going, well, his grass is greener. And it's like, Hey, keep in mind your, your grass is maintaining itself doing something that you started. You know, I, my analogy is off the rails here, but uh, <laughs> to back back it up a little bit, there is something about like it's only because when I was 21, podcast didn't exist when I solidified what I wanted to do when I grew up. You know what I mean? But like in therapy, my therapist straight up said to me, he's like, why do you always like when you talk about podcasts, your podcast, like shrug it off or make it sound like it's like a weird hobby or something? He's like, do you make money doing it? I was like, yes. He's like, do you create a fandom? Do you have listeners that listen to your podcast that might go see something else you do or whatever? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and are you doing comedy? Are you making people laugh on this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, so what don't you like about it? And I was like, it's not the perfect job. And and after talking to more and more people that like, what is the perfect job in this fucking business? Would I be talking about this? Like if I booked Brooklyn Nine-Nine pilot and I had done a hundred episodes of the show, I'd probably be talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine this way. Well, yeah. I, and I'd be, a, I'd be a millionaire, but I would be going like, well, who really cares about Brooklyn? Like, that's not. In- I want to be in fucking. Uh, uh, I want to be in a Scorsese movie. S- yeah, Safety Brothers movie. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was trying to think of a good example like that. I want to be in a Scorsese movie, not this bullshit. It's like, is that going to be just me forever? And then you're in Scorsese movies, and you're like, it's bullshit. I want to be in these. And I guess that's part of like a side effect of amb- of ambition is that sort of attitude of like, what's the next best thing? What's the next best thing? But I'm embarrassed that it took me several years to look back and be like what I have other people are currently trying to build. And I just see all these people starting podcasts and I'm like, Oh, it makes my podcast less interesting. But in reality, what it does is just makes my podcast uh, stand out more as that. It's something that's been around longer and possibly more success or possibly more listeners, not necessarily new podcasts get fucking hot fast too. But once I reevaluate my brain and get around to being like, well, yeah, I'm getting everything I want out of podcasts. I'm meeting new people. I'm uh, making a little bit of money. I'm having fun. People laugh at it. I got to tour with it. What other priorities do I have in life besides like making money, making people laugh, meeting new people and traveling? Those are like my four favorite things. So it's like I've come back around and in the last couple of years, like diversified my podcast. <laughs> like I'm, I have some Earwolf podcasts like Stitcher Premium with Lapkus or as Gino. I have High and Mighty, which is still free. I have Action Boys, which is paid. I do Smoke Me Up on Starburns with Besser and Horatio, which is mostly just to meet uh, st- uh, people in the cannabis world. If I didn't really want to do or like podcasts, I probably wouldn't be lining up my fifth recurring podcast <laughs> or driving to Highland Park in traffic to guest on a podcast that I've never heard of because the host emailed me and said they were a fan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I clearly like podcasts. I'm doing all this shit. Why can't I just cop to myself? Why can't I just admit to myself that I do? I don't know what it is. And it's still a nice community. And maybe this will change in the next few years. 
years. I don't think it will, even with like the celebrity influx, but it still, it still feels like the kind of community that you want to be a part of in the sense of like the economy of favors and goodwill and like, yeah, doing the drive to Highland Park for the person you don't know or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It reminds, it reminds me of like early UCB stuff. Uh, and I'm sure UCB stuff, meaning I just early young creative life is probably the parallels are everywhere but it's like you want to be in my video oh cool it's like well i did kevin's video so i should i could ask kevin to be in my video or like oh i held a boom mic like a film school like i held a boom mic for my like oh so and so did second unit on so and so's movie like the podcast world is that too which i always enjoyed like the perfect example is me and lauren were doing raised by tv in philadelphia but she was also on a comedy bang bang tour so she asks PFT if he'll stay one more day on his tour to do the live show in Philly with us. And of course, PFT, because he rules. I mean, we paid for his hotel and helped him and paid for him to move his flight. But like he moved his flight, got a hotel in Philly and did our show because we asked him. And also once Ackerman got wind of that, he goes, well, Comedy Bang Bang is going to be in New Haven the night before. Lapkiss, why don't you ask Gabris if he wants to come one day? And like because I made a little bit of money on the comedy bang bang tour and I got to do two shows. I ended up, I made more money because I had to fly to East coast anyway. So it was like, there's like these small things where it's like, Oh, we, we back each other up. And that, that feels like early creative stuff of like, uh, Hey, uh, Kevin, I know you, I know you have this office space. Can we use it for an overnight shoot? Hey, Gabrus, I know you have this. Can we like that? Back in the day, in my early 20s, so doing it again in my 30s with fucking podcasting feels cool. Of like, hey, you're this new podcast. Uh, I'd love to, I'll guest on yours. You come on mine. I need guests. You need uh, guests. Like, let's help each other out. I, I like, I dig that. And I dig that it's almost kind of understood when it's like, uh, hey, I did your podcast. Here's mine. And you're like, there's no like, ugh. You're like, no, that's the rule. He did, they did mine. I'll do theirs. Yeah. Which it, I kind of dig, yeah. It feels like a nice social responsibility. It doesn't feel like an overstep. It just feels like, yeah, especially when you produce your own show. You know how, like, it still feels like, you were talking about platonic dates, but it does feel like asking someone on a date to book them. Of like, hey, it'll be a good time. Oh, it's so hard. And even when they're friends, and, like, even if you've done their podcast 10 times, it still feels insane to be like, like, Hey, uh, do you want to do my? I, hey, I know we kind of half talked about how much podcast we dislike podcasts, but do you want to do mine next week? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> we were talking about um, before we started the conversation on Mike, just motivation issues now with COVID nineteen and Corona times, and just yes. like working up the will to do anything at all, because podcasts are the only thing most of us can do right now. We're going to even the motivation to do that, this thing that like can pretty much no one I know has been interrupted with this stuff. But like for you, which is like such a gift for you, though, like when everything's just like, okay, do I run today? Do I work out? Do I read a book? Do I do this? How do you like work up motivation? And I'm actually asking this question so you can tell me with a lot of this stuff in terms of like, how do you still care and find meaning and value and purpose in it do you think about positive impact with the audience is that what does it for you what is it you can tell by my style of comedy and if you've ever seen or listened i don't always think about the audience because action boys we had a bunch of episodes in the can because ben was going to start a new job so we put a bunch of episodes in the can before covid so we had like three weeks where we didn't have to record but also 
listeners kept tweeting at us like, holy shit, it's so great to listen to you guys because they were backlogged. There was no references of stay at shelter at home and stuff like that. So people are like, oh, this was so great. And it was so freeing to not hear about it. And we were like, oh, and didn't even think about like the emotional, like you're saying, like how, how good this will be for listeners to be doing it. So for me, what I try to do is one a day. So that it's only, I only have to get myself up to do one thing. And I try to do it later in the day because I find I can build some, uh, build some momentum eventually. Like we were supposed to record at two at like 1230. I still hadn't gone for my run and like workout. And I was just like, Oh, Kevin, can we do three? And I hate doing the shit, but there is also an element of like, I'm assuming you don't have something to fucking do <laughs> right at three 30. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, uh, so there's, there's that and it's hard to get motivated, but there's also the part of me that's like, this is what I want to do and I can do it. I, and I gotta be so thankful for me. The person that keeps me the most in check is my brother who is a nurse in a pulmonary ward <laughs> on long Island, uh, throughout all this. And he, one time we were just texting and he's like, it's just weird that I see people complaining about getting to stay home. And I never thought about the stay at home part as getting to stay at home. I always thought about it as being forced to stay home or having to stay home. And from that perspective of I get to stay home, then fuck, the fact that I can do my job from home means I should just fucking do it. And then the people who are listening podcast listenership doesn't seem to be fucking plummeting it seems to be like people are like granted no one has commutes right now but i think people are still listening to shit that they were listening to before and high and mighty has always been sort of like you know poured directly from the tap that is my brain so might as well keep going on and keep talking about covid and all this shit and just dealing with it now for me on the other end uh, on the opposite side of that action boys is for me the social release that i need because granted, it is over Zoom, which is a little more frustrating, but also the same reason why I, I, I was pumped to do your podcast. I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to talk to Kevin for an hour right now. <laughs> so like with Action Boys, it's like, those are my buds who I used to see every week for three hours. Now I don't. So it feels so good to get on with them and, and catch up. And doing the podcast is like, at this point, probably more for me than the listeners. You know, It just feels so good to see them and to talk to people that... I just am exclusively talking to my wife right now. So having a podcast, like just talking to someone that isn't my wife is good for both me and my wife. So it's been that part of it. So I look forward to Action Boys and I look forward to High and Mighty. I look forward to guesting on people's podcasts. Gabrus, you got a very friendly voice. You you do Thank sound you. like a doc worker with like an MFA at least, if not a PhD. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I think a lot that. of people enjoy hearing it every week. I appreciate that, Kevin. That's really nice to hear. And it's nice to hear from someone who's like a, who you, I don't even want to say art. I'll say medium who are in the same medium as you, uh, who do it well to say that, uh, they like yours. feels good. It feels very good. Kevin. Oh, thanks buddy. Uh, thank you. And thank you for talking to me today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for talking to me. We all need this now. <laughs> John Gabers has an educated dock worker voice. And you can hear that voice on High and Mighty wherever you get your podcasts and on Action Boys on Patreon. Inside Voices is produced by me and Steve Allman. Our theme music is by Pam Autori. And I'm your host, Kevin T. Porter. 
Thanks for spending time with us today on Inside Voices. That was a HeadGum Podcast.